Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Microdosing plant medicine. If you live on the West Coast, I'm sure you've heard about this before. If you're in other parts of the country, this might be a new topic. Now, when people think of microdosing plant medicine or utilizing any type of psychedelic plant, you might be thinking of the hippie days where people are going on some magical journeys in their own minds. And that's not necessarily what we're doing with microdosing. So in this episode, I have Casey Garrett on the show, and we'll be talking all about microdosing plant medicine. What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And Casey and I will be talking about kind of a taboo subject, which is plant medicine and psychedelic-type medicines. And we're going to talk about some of the safety things that you want to keep in mind, um, some of the new regulations that are coming out and uh, legality changes that are happening. It seems like every single week things are changing with that. And then how to just be safe and if you do decide to go on any of these uh, plant medicines, how to do it without harming yourself. And whenever it comes down to this stuff, it always comes down to safety first. So that's what we'll be talking about in this episode. And we also cover why would people even do this in the first place if they're not going on any crazy magical trips like back in the hippie era. So Casey Garrett is the founder of Microdosing for Healing, which is a nationwide virtual program combining microdosing education experience, and a supportive community. And the intention of the program is to introduce individuals to the beautiful practice of microdosing, inspire a lifelong connection to nature, instill a reverence and respect for sacred plant medicine, and create the conditions for healing in a fun, welcoming, and supportive container. So let's go dive into my conversation with Casey. Casey, thank you for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Of course, and I'm really excited to chat with you because we're going to talk about kind of a taboo topic, and I'm very interested in um, some of the uses of it, which is microdosing. But before we start there, let's learn a little bit more about you, your background, and what got you into all this in the first place. Yeah, thank you so much. Happy to talk about this taboo subject with you (laughs) and your audience. Um, Yeah, I've been in the healing arts for coming up on 25 years now, so... I began shortly after I moved to California uh, about 25 years ago, and I started out studying somatic therapies, but my background is in body work, and then I went on to um, write books on the subject, develop a product line, and then in 2012, opened my first um, healing arts studio and went on to create kind of a diversified healing arts studio offering everything from body work, massage, to meditation, yoga, sound healing, Um, And then plant medicine, and that's how I was originally exposed to uh, plant medicine and the plant medicine work we do now. And so what does plant medicine look like? What exactly is it? Is that using herbs? Is it using psychedelics? What is it? It's honestly, it's a very broad topic, um, obviously. So plant and mushroom medicine can mean both medicinal mushrooms, meaning herbs and plants. Um, But typically when people use the term microdosing today, it's in regard to psychedelics. Yes. And uh, because it's the term microdosing, I'm assuming that means small amounts. Is it actually amounts that you would notice a difference or what's the point of doing a little bit? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So part of what the microdosing, I was drawn to microdosing because of its subtlety. It is subperceptual. So it is while you're taking psychedelic or entheogenic plant medicine, meaning psychoactive plant medicines, you're taking them at such a tiny dose that you're not feeling any of the psychoactive effects. So you're not tripping, you're not having any of the visual distortions, hallucinations, and it's a way to receive all the benefits of plant medicines um, over time and in a much more gentle, subtle manner. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. So people that grew up in the 60s, um, (laughs) we're not going all out on some uh, vision quests, as they like to call it. So (laughs) what what's the point of microdosing then? So the point of microdosing is to receive the same benefits that a large, as we call the macro dose or a heroic dose journey um, that people associate with the 60s. So I have a lot of people who come to practice who are brand new to plant medicines. You know, they're in the younger generations and they don't have any stigma. They're coming in as a, as a fresh canvas. And then I have a lot of other people who live through the 60s and maybe they used psychoactive medications and medicines um, recreationally in the past, but this is their first time kind of coming to them for a therapeutic healing basis. Um, so the reason people come now, it's it's for all different, but they really do show amazing promise for physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual growth, all of the above. Interesting. So when you're taking them, are you experiencing life in a different way? Or are you just more open to life? I would say both, honestly. It's a practice, and I like to view them more as a spiritual supplement than a drug. You know, medicine and drug, it's a little bit complicated because we're so used to the framework of traditional pharmaceutical drugs. So plant medicine is very different. Microdosing is very different in that it's not doing something to you. It's kind of clarifying who you already are. So it has amazing benefits physically that you read about when you read about microdosing and as well as the, you know, psilocybin research studies that are coming in showing enormous promise for depression, anxiety, PTSD. But they also have a great impact on developing your creativity, deepening your intuition, Um, helping you find your kind of true north, your inner voice, um, helping you be more compassionate, to be more patient. Um, All of those things are equally, if not more, uh, transformative. Yeah, and with, you know, anxiety, depression, all those rates are skyrocketing, especially in the last couple of years. Is this a safe method for people in those type of situations to possibly get some uh, relief from anxiety and depression? Or are there some things that you need to be worried about when doing microdosing? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's two parts to that. I would say compared to pharmaceutical antidepressants, for example, there are men- much, much, much less side effects when you're working with plant medicines and when you're working with pharmaceutical medications. Um, in terms of their, they're non-addictive, they're non-habit forming, there aren't a lot of side effects you have to worry about. You can begin plant medicines and stop using plant medicines without any ill effects. There's no kind of ramping up, there's no weaning off. Um, so you're not becoming dependent um, like you do on pharmaceutical 
medication. So in terms of safety on that respect, um, they're far more safe, in, in my opinion. Um, in terms of using them, I really think it's so important when you're just beginning practicing microdosing to have some support along the way. And that can be a therapist, a coach, a community. Um, we see a lot of people doing it with a family member, your spouse, you know, your partner, because the effects are so subtle and they're really best um, for the best effects. It's their best accomplished done alongside other practices in your life. So the more when you're working with plant medicines, the more commitment you bring to your journey and your process, the, the greater the effects are going to be. So a lot of antidepressants pretty much numb your uh, feelings. If you're taking plant medicines, is that opening you up more to your feelings? And can that do kind of the opposite of what people would expect to get while they're depressed or anxious? You nailed it. Yes, that's exactly how they work. And that can take some getting used to because it's such a shift in the way we view healing, right? You know, for the longest time, healing has just been curtailing of symptoms rather than getting to the root cause of what's creating the symptoms in the first place. That's the essence of the healing that plant medicine does. Mm. Um, so if you're taking it and you start feeling a little bit better, is there an addictive property to it? There is not a quote-unquote addictive property in that you're becoming dependent on the substance. Typically what we find is, you know, when you feel better, you start making all different decisions, lifestyle, because you're coming from a different place. And so a lot of times people, you know, begin microdosing and then they're getting better sleep because they're going to bed earlier because they're eating less sugar and then they fall asleep earlier. Um, a lot of people find themselves drinking less. They don't have a drinking problem. They wouldn't say it interferes with their life, but they just effortlessly find that they're just less interested in drinking alcohol, which then allows them to sleep better. So again, it's kind of getting to the root. And once you feel better and more whole and more healed, your entire life is affected and everything you do and where you put your energy day to day. Yeah, it's kind of like what you said earlier is microdosing combined with other uh, healthy choices, healthy options really makes a profound impact on people. So if it's opening you up to being more healthy, to moving more, to eating better, to getting better sleep, then it's they're kind of working hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's much more, I like to describe it, it's more a participatory relationship than it is a passive relationship. You know, most medications, you're taking a dose, you're getting a prescription, um, and you're waiting for something to happen to you. When you're working with plant medicine, it's more an equal participatory relationship. Now, how many different types of plant medicines are used for microdosing? Is there like a set number or are we still learning more we're effects of different ones? Totally. We're still learning. I mean, here in the United States, um, when we refer to microdosing, typically people are referring to either LSD or psilocybin microdosing, mushroom uh, microdosing. Um, however, in indigenous traditions um, in South America, Central America, they have a history of using a very wide variety of plant medicines um, traditions in a they didn't call it microdosing 
Um, that's our coining of a, our modern coining of a term that they have used for hundreds and hundreds of years. But in indigenous tradition, they're called dietas. So you're dieting with a different plant uh, for, um, for different effects. So it might be bobansana, it might be kana, it might be tobacco. Um, there's a wide variety of plant medicines. <laughs> So um, when it comes to the like psilocybin, for instance, are there's differences in the purpose of each plant medicine or do they all kind of do the same thing? Mm, they're all unique. And that's what makes it so interesting. A lot of times I get asked if for people who are brand new and kind of a blank canvas. They're like, well, how do I know what medicine's my medicine? I, I don't know anything about any of them. Part of it is intuitive. Um, especially with the entheogenic medicines with our entheogens are natural medicines. So the cactus medicines like peyote or um, wachuma, San Pedro, psilocybin is a natural medicine. So they have their own, you know, innate wisdom and spirit. And it's funny, they'll kind of call to you when it's time the medicines will kind of call to you and you'll keep reading about them or you'll keep running into people and they're talking about them. And that's kind of them like dropping little, little crumbs in your, in your fate path um, to call you. That's, that's how they found me um, for sure. And a lot of people say that who come to our programs too, that it's just their curiosity was peaked and there was something innate in them that just got curious. Can you talk a little bit about what the experience with psilocybin might be like? With microdosing mm -hmm. specifically? Yeah, so it's really, um, when microdosing with mushrooms, it's really, really gentle and subtle, I would say, at for foremost. Um, a lot of people come in, if you're brand new, are very intimidated. They're like, by a large trip and the stigma of, you know, tripping on mushrooms. It's very, very different uh, than that experience mushroom medicine it's at a microdosing context the first thing people notice are cognitive benefits usually so enhanced memory clarity of thought clarity of intention you just kind of start to move through your day more clear and more focused okay and you had mentioned that if someone was to start microdosing that it's better to work with someone that's had experience um but how do you know that you're taking a small enough dose or you don't overdo mm -hmm. it your first time? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the recommendation is to start very, very low and go very slow. So rather than the other way around. So the microdosing range for psilocybin um, and medicinal mushrooms, for instance, is usually between 50 milligrams and 300 milligrams. Everybody will be really unique in that range, but most people, it's best to start very, very low and then give it a few weeks, a month, and then dial it up from there. And it's interesting. It's not based on body weight, body size, you know, the things that measurements that Western pharma is typically made against. Um, it tends to just be very, very unique made on the individual nature and spirit of the person that determines what their perfect dose is. Hmm. And are you taking these, are you eating them? Are you smoking them? What is like the, 
normal way of doing them? It depends on it depends on the medicine. I mean, mushrooms. The the beauty of mushrooms is that they're natural, naturally occurring. Um, they're quite easy to grow, um, and so growing your own over time is very very simple. There's a there's a learning curve at the beginning, like most things, but there are now kits you can buy um, from cultivators have made it really easy, and there a lot of them are happy to share their skills so that you can begin to grow your own medicines at home, which is beautiful in that it's not only safe. You know, it's for your own personal use. You can grow a wide variety um, from medicinal mushrooms to psilocybin um, for your own personal use, depending on where you live um, in the country. And it's also really beautiful to grow your own medicines and develop a relationship similar to having your own garden. You know, it's very different kind of eating food and, and making dinner with herbs and vegetables that you've grown in your backyard versus things you've bought at the store. And so it's it's similar to microdosing in that manner too. It's there's something very cool about, you know, growing your own medicines and being able to share them with with family and friends. Yeah, that was one of the questions I was gonna ask is um the legalities around it. Um it's not fully legal at this point, but there's a uh uh states that are way more open to it. Like West Coast is very open to these types of things. So I'm assuming it's easier to find or grow in these states compared to other ones. Um, is there any state where it's actually legal? Yes, yes, there there is. And it's it's one of those things, it's changing so quickly, you know, in the context of our podcast, like we're recording this today and a week from now, it'll be different by the time this airs. So it's really an exciting time. You know, it's there's a lot of kind of gray area and it's very improvisational and grassroots. And so there's a decriminalization movement happening all over the country. Denver was the first to kick it off. The city of Denver was the first to decriminalize um, entheogenic plant medicines. Um, and it was Santa Cruz and Oakland out here in, in California, Washington, D.C. Um, Seattle just became the largest city just last week to decriminalize. Um, and the state of Oregon is the first statewide. California will hopefully be soon to follow next year um, to decriminalize and set up um, a plan for ultimate legalization in a therapeutic model by next year. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. uh, is there any worries that by decriminalizing this, we might open up the population to not just microdose, but macrodose and just we have people tripping all over the place. <laughs> yes, that's, of course, a concern. And thankfully, we have the, you know, most of the people that are on the planet, you know, talking about these things now live through the 60s, you know, and remember and have an example of what not to do. Um, also, what has happened with the cannabis industry and the way that has grown nationwide has also provided a lot of information and education on what to do and what not to do and what works. So, in my estimation, the decrim movement has been exceptionally thoughtful, whether it's in Oregon or, you know, in the individual cities and counties where a decrim is taking place. They've been very, very careful and thoughtful about, you know, making limits, you know, putting limits in place, um, who can, how, you know, making it accessible while also putting in place um, measures to curb 
you know, the inevitable excesses of human beings that we are capable of. Yes. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think one of the interesting things about the decriminalization process is that it leads to safer quality of product. Like I, I know up here in Washington, um, when marijuana was legalized, there was a lot of issues with, you know, people would buy marijuana and it'd be laced with other stuff. And now you can go to, a, you know, a cannabis store and you can purchase something that's safe and it's quality tested. And you know that it's not going to have LSD or something else mixed in with it. So mm-hmm. you kind of know what you're getting. So I can see, you know, if one of the worries of um, someone purchasing some sort of psychedelic is that maybe it could be laced with something else, fentanyl or whatever else that's a big deal right now. Um, by uh, decriminalizing it, you're opening up more options to get safer stuff. Exactly, exactly. And this is especially relevant to, you know, the lab-based psychedelics such as MDMA or LSD. Absolutely, yes. Yep. Yeah, I know, like, right now, um, there's a big fentanyl issue up here in kind of the Seattle area, and it's probably countrywide. I haven't really paid that much attention, but um, that's right there that's just in pharmaceutical type drugs um where people are getting stuff that's laced so mm-hmm. when you're buying stuff off the street compared to being able to go into an actual store mm-hmm. you just don't quite know what you're getting yeah it's very different i mean when you put it in the context of this is something you're growing in your garden you know mm-hmm. and it's a fruit or a vegetable and also i think the the way you hold the medicine is so important and the education and the the way you're introduced to your relationship with the medicine in a more thoughtful proactive and and participatory way you know when you truly understand um how beautiful and transformative it's it's nature you know it's nature that you're connecting with you have a different reverence and a different respect that you can't conceive of using these things to excess or irresponsibly or recreationally because they it, it, you're not doing them justice um, by that. So I think the context that we're approaching them now in a time when we're, you know, we're coming through a global pandemic, um, the mental health epidemic is off the charts. There's so many people struggling right now that I think most people are coming to the medicines in that context. You know, they're not just looking to have a good time, you know, or trip for the sake of tripping they're at a point where they're very, very committed to their own health and to healing and to healing our world because we're kind of mm. at the point where we've got to get it together and we don't have that much time to get it together individually and collectively. Yeah, and I mean, with depression rates and everything skyrocketing just in the last couple of years, you kind of have to give people a boost at some point because otherwise, I mean, no one's going to have the motivation to do anything or the desire to do anything because they just, you know, they're depressed, they're anxious, they don't want to go outside, they don't want to see people, they just want to stay inside. Yeah, I mean, one of the main, I think one of the things that's most healing about plant medicines and the benefits, I mean, we read about, you know, that the cure of symptoms or the, the cessation of symptoms Plant medicines, I feel, help us heal by just fundamentally helping us become more present. You know, part so many of our disorders and our things are based on our inability to be present. We're so distracted. 
And a lot of anxiety comes from just being overwhelmed and anxious about the future. Depression comes from, you know, being trapped in these ruminating, overthinking, you know, loops. And so when we are helped to be brought to presence, um, that just in and of itself is so healing. And when we're present, we can be more creative. We can be more imaginative. We can be more hopeful of possibility. And so that's, I think, why it helps with anxiety and depression fundamentally, because we're we're helping us helping ourselves remember to be in this present moment. And that's all we have. Right. Is there any downsides that you know of for microdosing? Hmm, that's a great question. So there's not really a whole lot of like side effects like a pharmaceutical med, but you touched on this earlier when you said um, you were so spot on. The way plant medicine works is it helps you feel more. It puts you in touch with your feelings more versus numbing you. And if there is a challenge with microdosing in plant medicine, I would say for people who are not in touch with their emotions, you know, if that's new to you, that can be an adjustment. You know, if you have kind of distracted and numbed your way through life to date, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you are touched with your own emotions and kind of, you know, a woman in our community recently called it, she said, plant medicines to me are big honesty. And that is such a great, great way to put it. Um, And you have to be ready to kind of face your emotions, to sit with uncomfortable emotions and embrace kind of our full humanity um, and understanding that true healing isn't just being kind of numb or happy and being held within this narrow framework of feeling is true healing is being able to embrace the full range. And you can't experience the great wonder and awe and joy and creativity of life if you can't also hold space for grief and disappointment um, and the more challenging emotions. So I would say if there's a side effect, it's just that you're going to feel more clearly and you're going to feel more fully. Yeah, I could see the future um, once things be decriminalized and more legalized, you'll have these um, centers where you might be working with a therapist of some sort and you're you know, take microdosing and then you're experiencing these emotions and they're able to sit there and kind of work through it with you and teach you, you know, how to deal with those emotions and those feelings that do come up. Mm-hmm. And then I I feel like that would be a lot more effective than just numbing the entire population. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why it's so important, I think, to have a coach or a support, a partner, a community and some kind to help you move through that because it is new to us. Right. It's we don't learn self-awareness and emotional intelligence in elementary school. I wish we did. But, um, you know, better late than never. And if we're picking up those skills as an adult, um, it's new to many of us. And so understanding that emotions pass and change and being okay with not being comfortable all the time is is new for us. Um, we've created such a plethora of distractions <laughs> in our modern society um, that that in and of itself, it's much like plant medicine is much like meditation or contemplative practice. The more you practice, the more you can hold uh, a range of emotions without them overwhelming. So that's very common after a few months of microdosing. People report 
you know, I'm still getting, you know, at times I get impatient or I get angry if someone cuts me off on the road, but I don't, I'm not overtaken. I, I just have a level of cushion between my emotion, what I'm feeling and my reaction to it. I can hold space. And so your depression and your anxiety might not be cured, but it no longer becomes your encompassing identity. It's just something that's part of you. Perfect. Well, are there any final things you want to make sure that we touch on when it comes to microdosing? Mm, yeah. Oh, so many. But if I had to narrow it down, I would say, you know, I have a lot of people come who are like, I, I, I don't consider myself depressed or I don't consider myself having an addiction. Um, is this, but I'm curious, is this for me? And I absolutely, it's, it's for everyone. So there are so many other benefits than just kind of the symptoms of things. It's like I said, it, it enhances your intuition, your creativity, your imagination, uh, your compassion, your connection with nature. There's so many benefits that you might not necessarily read about because they can't be quantified and they can't be, you know, qualified in a research study. Um, but I would encourage anyone who's kind of called to explore because there's typically um, a reason you're being drawn to it. Perfect, Casey. Well, my final question for you is what is your vision and what healthy looks like? And what are three things you do daily to reach that vision? Ooh, that's such a good question. Um, so I definitely microdosing um, <laughs> would be tops for me. You know, I've studied so many different modalities and trained in so many different modalities. And I would say nothing aside from meditation too um, has meant so much to me and my own personal healing than beginning a microdosing practice uh, with plant medicine. So that would be top. Um, the second would be regulating our nervous systems. So that is, I think, we are just at the tip of the iceberg of understanding how much our nervous system is tied to our anxiety and depression and our ability to function well in the world. So I think any practice that you can calm and soothe your nervous system from the modern, you know, our modern lifestyle, that'll be different. It'll be a movement practice for some people, a contemplative or prayer practice, um, expressive arts, dance, uh, qigong, but having something you do daily that helps calm and regulate your nervous system. And then the last one I would say is to undertake some kind of soul work. You know, it's not something we talk about. We, we invest time, you know, every day, every week, some of us in working out, we take care of our bodies and we pay attention to our diet and hydration and those things. But to really invest in our soul and our spiritual work, I think, um, has an enormous impact on every facet of our life. You know, we don't, you know, it's the saying goes, you know, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. So the more we work on our internal selves, um, that's going to shape our external selves. So what does health look like to me? Um, health looks to me is being happy, being balanced, you know, being healed and healing always um, and being at ease in our own skin. That to me is kind of the ultimate health. I love it. 
Well, people can learn more about you at microdosingforhealing.com. Can you talk about what people will experience when they go to that website? Yeah, happy to. So our really fundamentally around microdosing, we have created a community. So there's tremendous power and healing in, in group work being together. So we have an array of programs. Um, our intensive programs are limited to just 12 people, and we do those throughout the year. And then we have a larger community program, and it's people of all ages, backgrounds, um, levels of experience. All of them share um, a dedication and a commitment and the practice of microdosing and what brings us together for very disparate reasons. Um, but it's really a beautiful way to practice the medicines is to have the support with kind of kindred spirits from all over the country. Awesome. Is there anywhere else that people can find you? Do you have like YouTube or anything? Yeah, I'm on all the social platforms um, with the spelling of my name. I'm very easy to find on all of them. Um, LinkedIn is probably the primary one I use professionally. So you can find me on LinkedIn. And then I'm also on uh, Facebook as, and Instagram as well. Awesome, Casey. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I know I had a lot of questions about macrodosing, and I think it's a very fascinating up-and-coming field. And like you said, every week it's different what's allowed and not allowed. So, I mean, by the time this airs, there could be a lot of changes already. So that's what I'm really interested in, to see the changes over the next couple of years. Yes, absolutely. It's a really, it's a daunting time to be alive, but it's such a fantastic and profound time to be alive. So happy to be here and share. So I hope you've learned a little bit about plant medicines and how to use it for microdosing purposes. And if you want to learn more about it, then head on over to Casey's website, microdosingforhealing.com. And she has a lot of great resources there that you can use to get into this type of thing very safely. And just make sure that you're getting the right stuff and you're on the right track if this is something that you're interested in. Now, over here on the West Coast, a lot of this stuff is becoming a lot more mainstream, and uh, the legalities are changing all the time around it. A lot more stuff is becoming legal and becoming very easy to get. So just rem remember that. Try to know what the legalities and the rules are in the location that you're at, and different parts of the country will be different when it comes down to this stuff. So thank you, Casey, for coming on to the show and chatting with us all about this. Now, and next week, I have a cardiologist, Dr. Phil Ovedia, on the show. Let's go learn who he is and what we'll be talking about. I am here with Dr. Phil Ovedia. Hey, Phil, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? Uh, that I am a heart surgeon who doesn't believe that cholesterol is the primary cause of heart disease. <laughs> Which is great and also can put you at risk. Well, what will we be learning about in our interview together? We're going to be learning how people can stay off my operating table and why metabolic health is the most important thing to focus on to do that. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? I am a big fan of whole real food that primarily is animal-based products. So meat, seafood, and dairy. And what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? Number one is eat whole real food. Number two is move more. And number three is sleep enough. I think the name of the game is to keep as many people off of the operating table as possible. And we'll be talking all about how to do that in next week's episode. So until then, 
keep climbing to the peak of your health.